Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Thank you so much. Sometimes the most important issues are the most complicated. Take finding insurance. Uh, whether it's for your car or your home, endless companies and coverage options that you need to consider. And, um, you know, you want to just talk to some real people. Doing it online is a real nightmare. This is where the zebra comes in, the zebra.com. You can compare car and home quotes from every major insurance company in under five minutes, giving you all the facts you need to make the right decision. It's the fastest way to find the right coverage at the right price. The, the zebra actually saves the average American $922 a year on home and auto combined. That's a heck of a lot of money. Save time and money in minutes. Compare quotes for free at thezebra.com slash Beck. That's thezebra.com slash Beck. Uh, we're going to cover the election here for a couple of minutes, and then we're going to go into one of the main issues, and that is the economy. Uh, with a guy who has given me an entirely new perspective on the supply chain. Next. I will tell you right now, the one thing we are not going to do is gloat. We're not, right, Stu? We are absolutely def- not. That would we be wrong. We are definitely not gloating today. We're above that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> the program begins in 60 seconds. I've got a, a guy in that you're going to love. He is the former CEO of Toyota North America and COO of Toyota Motor Corporation. And we were having dinner the other night, and he explained the supply chain Wait until you hear, A, how amazing it is, and then try to figure out how are we going to get this back. That's coming up in 60 seconds. First, let me tell you about Autumn. She wrote in recently to talk about the Tuttle Twins books and what they mean to her family. She said, Glenn, I have to let you know this book series has meant the world to our family. I read from them to my six kids. Six kids. You know what's causing that, Autumn, right? <laughs> I think they do. So, yeah. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, six kids. She says, I'm homeschooling. Six kids? You are a saint. Anyway, when we finish all of them, we start right over again. Our reading has led to relevant discussions of current events and an understanding of government and the law at a much deeper level. Listen, waking America up from its slumber, reminding ourselves of who we are, starts with our kids. Our kids are going to be the ones that really fight this battle in the future. And if you are expecting them to be taught through osmosis uh, or anything at school about 
how the free market actually works, why a republic is the best system uh, out there. Uh, you're not going to find it. You're just not going to find it in their classrooms. Tuttle Twins books. It's a great series, and they have a 35% discount off their books right now. They're giving away the activity workbook at no additional cost. It's a big discount. Just go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com. That's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Get the discount. Keep your kids sane in this socialist world. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Before we go and introduce you to uh, Jim Lentz, I want to get a quick update uh, from Stu on, and again, hey, they fought a good battle. Let's not quit. Hey, we're all in this together, guys. We're in this together. Yeah. So, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So here are uh, some of the results from last night. So Glenn Youngkin is the big news. He wins in Virginia in what would have been just a month ago, a shocking upset. It's yeah. important to say because we got to that point in the last week before the election where we thought he might win, that this is a, a devastating defeat. For yeah, and, many, and it couldn't happen to a better It guy. really couldn't. And I, I will tell you, I have lots to say on this. I think just the Terry McAuliffe loss uh, tells us many things that we need to know. I'll cover that coming up next hour. Basically, progressives lost almost everywhere, including in Buffalo, where they, a socialist Democrat lost to, to a write-in candidate yeah. uh, who was just a normal crazy Democrat. Uh, the only real victory for de- uh, pro- real hardcore progressivism around the country was in uh, Boston. Boston. The mayor in Boston, who's an Elizabeth Warren clone, uh, she wins there. Uh, the, but they, they were falling apart. Conservative, I, mean, I can't say conservative, um, people who are more normal uh, and more conservative, if you can use that word, in San Francisco were winning. Yeah. Uh, last night. I mean, it's it's the Seattle, the Seattle, the school yeah. board in San Francisco uh, flipped away from these people who were saying we're going to rename George Washington High School. Yep. Um, uh, it's big, big, big. Big couple more big school board victories in Texas as well. Um, one other uh, interesting uh, situation was in New York. Not really covered too much, but there's three ballot initiatives. All of them sort of trying to open up elections like you know same day registration and things like that. All of them failed and failed badly in New York, which is remarkable. And then the other big race that everyone's watching right now is New Jersey. Uh, it's very, very close as we speak. Um, the governor race there, Biden won New Jersey by 16 points. Currently, it's 49.66% to 49.60%. Murphy, the Democrat, is leading at this point. Uh, you know, as someone who goes through all this stuff all the time, the the votes that are outstanding are largely in blue, ca- blue counties. And I would expect uh, Murphy to hold on to this, though it's going to be very, very close, which is not a done deal yet. An earthquake. Even that the fact that it was close is almost more impressive than what happened in Virginia. So the economy, schools, the culture, um, what's happening in Washington D.C., the 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 wild unpopularity for uh, Joe Biden, all played a role. But one of the big things that everyone was talking about across the country as they were coming out of the uh, polls was the economy and the supply chain is really hard to understand i was having a dinner with a friend jim lentz he is um he he's been the head of you were the head of toyota for how long uh sales side about six years and about seven years ceo for north america okay so he was the ceo for toyota uh, motor corporation of north america and the chief operating officer of the parent company in japan 
Um, he is he, he was he was there for all of the big things, including the move from California to Texas, Plano, Texas. Uh, and also you were there for the big earthquake yes. um, in Japan, which I, I think would play a little bit of a role that you could learn from now on supply chain issues. Oh, very much so. Very yeah. much so. Okay, so can you explain the supply chain to the audience like you did to me uh, when I asked you? I said, so I, what, what is happening with the supply chain? Sure. So the biggest thing to understand is supply chain is a system. And there are a lot of different components to it. And it really starts with forecasting and ordering what you think. So as, as a manufacturer, I have to forecast what my future needs of automobiles will be. I place that manufacturing order, and let's say something that's being produced overseas. It gets produced, it gets shipped, it gets processed at the port, it then gets transported, whether it gets trucked to the ultimate uh, place of sale or a warehouse, Mm -hmm. or it gets moved into a rail yard and then gets railed, uh, and eventually it gets sold. So the challenge is when the supply chain breaks down, uh, all of that has to operate in sync. If you concentrate as we are today on just the port operations, you're just going to move that supply chain problem further down the road. Because let's just, and I'm sure it doesn't work this way, but let's just say, you have shipment of a whole bunch of steering wheels coming in. Well, what are you going to do with all the steering wheels? Because you're missing the chips because the chips aren't in. Right. You need all of them to come in in an ordered way, right? right? Right. And can you explain how sophisticated the supply chain is for fa- for factories like Toyota? Yeah. Well, you know, so literally the, the Japanese kind of invented just in time. And just in time means when I build a vehicle in my plant, Literally, the part that goes on that truck may only arrive hours before production. In fact, our our plant here in Texas that builds the Tundra, uh, we actually have suppliers on site, the seat supplier. So they will build their seats in the same sequence that I build my vehicle. So that seat literally arrives maybe 20 minutes before it needs to to be able to go down that line. And I think the biggest thing as a result of all this Lean manufacturing was created to take waste out of the system. So you didn't have to warehouse 30 and 60 days worth of parts. Because when, when you were at Ford, this is many years ago, almost 40 years ago, when you were at Ford, you, you told me that there were times when you ran out of the right color seats, but that was just it. That's right. You put in whatever you had at the end of the year. So, so, you know, the world's gotten away from that. But the big question that, that COVID in this supply chain crisis has created is can lean manufacturing as we know it today, just in time, literally hours before it's needed, is that the best way to go? Or are we going to need to go backwards a little bit, create more warehousing so we don't have these big glitches? going to be interesting to see how this gets fixed because there's there's an old adage in the car business and that is when things were going wrong you'd say the bull is in the ditch and the big question is not how the bull got there not whose fault it was not how you're going to keep him out of the ditch in the future the question is how do you get him out of the ditch today so today we need to be concentrating our efforts on the supply chain in these ports 
And how can we get these ports cleared as quickly as possible? So I've talked to the head of the truckers, uh, independent truckers. They say there's not a shortage of trucks. There's a shortage of place to put stuff. Uh, and they say the trucks, the reason why they have problems with truckers is sometimes these truckers will wait eight hours mm-hmm. at a port and they're not getting paid for that. They're not getting paid to wait. So right. what is the problem? How, if you were president, how would you be fixing this? Uh, I would go to somewhere like Wharton and get a systems expert on logistics to go down to the port and observe exactly what's happening. Where, where are the bottlenecks? Is the bottleneck trucks coming into the port? Is the bottleneck trucks going out of the port? Is the bottleneck how many, how many cranes we have to move it? Uh, I mean, there are so many issues. And, and if you look at Long Beach as an example, um, they've been processing roughly 18,000 containers a day. Jeez. There are 29,000 containers a day arriving. Oh, my gosh. And, and, you know, as I started to research this for your show today, you can go back to March and there was a huge backlog in March. So this didn't just take place last month. Mm. This has been going on for some time. There and f- nobody did anything. No, and there, there are, there are 540,000 containers sitting on ships waiting to be processed. Oh, my God. So, so and only 18,000 being be. processed. So, so if, if you look at those numbers, you've got to increase your, your throughput by 60% just to keep up with what's coming, not even to cut into the backlog of what you have there. So the, the only way to tackle this is to look at the entire system. How can we improve the efficiency every step along the way? Because if, if for example, I find a way to work 24-7 at every term, terminal, and I start putting out all these containers, well, your next problem is going to be at the railhead. Right. You're not going to have enough trains to move the merchandise. And then if you fix that problem, then where are you going to put all this stuff? You're not going to have the warehouse space. If you go into Walmart today and there's something that's not in stock, and you say, well, do you have it in the back room? There isn't a back room. Right. So, so this. That's why, like, our supermarkets are, are restocked. Like, what is it? Like, something crazy, like 18 times a day. Yeah. Because it's just in time, right? Yeah. They, they predict when they're going to be mm-hmm. out of these products. Yeah. I mean, it happens at our plants. I mean, literally, at one end of the plant, we'll have parts arrive. And literally, within hours, it is taken from there and it's put on the assembly line. Uh, rarely departs sit for a very long period of time. Well, that seems like an impossible problem to fix because you have to fix it from both ends. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff in these 540,000 containers are not going to be used right away. It Right? Right, right. Which is going to cause a problem if they are parts used to complete whatever it might be, a, a, a television, an automobile, a piece of furniture. It creates that problem as well. And, and understand, too, in China today, their main port, they have problems with electricity. They have a problem with manpower. And they're likely running short on cargo containers. Because nothing is coming back to them. Right, right. So at some point in time, you're going to have this glut sitting over there ready to come back. And this armada is going to keep on coming until this system gets fixed. Now, the, the big challenge is um, the port infrastructure needs to be improved. In the case of Long Beach, I don't think there's much more land to deal with. 
Right. So in, until you can improve the efficiency, and that's that takes someone to sit down and actually observe what happens. At, at Toyota, as an example, we have a department that works in our plants just on efficiency. And they'll sit and they'll observe what's going on on an assembly line to figure out where are we wasting time? How can, how can we change something to improve the safety or improve the efficiency of what we do? And it may just be something that saves two or three seconds, but it makes a huge difference over time. That same type of thought process has to go into fixing a complex problem. So like this. was this doomed to fail from the beginning? I mean, okay. should we be looking for the short term to get us back to this kind of a system? It seems to me one of the things we learned was there are some things like chips and medicine that maybe we should make here in America uh, for just for our, our own strategic, you know, uh, defense reasons. Right. Um, but does this system go back to the way it was? Well, I think the difficulty is if, if you look at California, the ports in Long Beach, I believe they were up 25 or 30 percent even last year. And this year they're up another 20 or 30 percent. And if you're landlocked and that much throughput is increasing, it was, it was inevitable that you were going to have challenges unless you changed how you operated. Um, you know, the, the difficulty with just moving chips to the U.S. as an example, there are roughly 50 chip manufacturers in the world. Um, 50% of all the chips come out of Taiwan. 90, I need you to listen to this. 50% of all chips come out of Taiwan. Uh, roughly 90% of all the really high-tech, sophisticated chips come out of Taiwan. Um, most all the chips come out of somewhere in Asia. If it's not Taiwan, it's, it's Japan, it's Vietnam. It's, it's China it's number places. two, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think if you add t- Taiwan and China together, they are by far the largest. So if Taiwan falls to China, they have a gun to our head. Uh, to, to the globe. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. And, and the difficulty is it takes a long time to build one of these plants, and they're very capital intensive. You know, a, a new chip plant today is 15 to $20 billion to build. So you can't exactly change that overnight. So um, we're going to continue our conversation here in, in uh, just a second. I, this is what, when you think about Build Back Better, which is just a slogan to change the financial uh, Uh, strategy of our system this is the kind of stuff that we should be talking about can we get relief to help build chip manufacturing plants here in america can we can we redesign our ports instead they're going they're going to green energy and all of this this garbage that is not going to help us out in the future to remain uh, ahead of the rest of the world, or at least even competitive with the rest of the world. Back in just a second, 60 seconds to tell you about Deborah Ann. She lives in Massachusetts. She writes in about her experience with taking a relief factor for pain. She said, I started taking relief factor four days ago about hearing after hearing about it on your show for so long. Amazingly, my hip pain in four days is almost completely gone. Used to be I had horrible time sleeping because of that pain, but not anymore. I am absolutely loving how I'm feeling these days. Thank you so much. Deborah Ann, that's a, I mean, that's close to a miracle. Four days and you're already pain-free. 
um, you know, if you're taking it for three weeks, you should start to see some relief of your pain. And if you're not seeing anything in three weeks, stop taking it. it you're probably you're, you're part of the 30 percent probably that it won't work on. It has given me my life back and so many of our listeners. Try it now. Relieffactor.com. Try the three week quick start for 1995. It's relieffactor.com. 800-583-84. Relieffactor.com. 10 seconds station ID. Uh, <clears throat> so am I wrong with that assessment that that we're not doing the right? It doesn't seem like we're focused on the right things as a nation. Well, and part of it, I, I think if you look at Build Back Better, there is money in there to build chip plants in the U.S. There is money in yeah, there. Yeah. And yeah. I think there's infrastructure to try and improve the ports. So, but it's being undershadowed by some of the rest of this garbage stuff. <laughs> I'll, I'll say garbage. Yeah. You, you don't have to say garbage. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, trying to get people prepared for the short term. Uh, I've been saying for a while, buy your Christmas presents now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because... When they run out, they run out, right? Yeah, no. Um, what what industries do you think are going to be most affected? How is the consumer going to be most affected by this? Do you have any idea? Well, you know, I, I can speak primarily the car industry. Yeah. Uh, you know, right now, consumers are spending a lot more for vehicles. If you're going to buy a new car today, chances are, there are they are not discounting them because an industry that typically has good selection 60 days worth of cars on on the ground today they may have five days worth of cars on the ground you were trying to buy a car uh, recently and you couldn't get the options that you wanted you were yeah uh, i mean it's and it's it's ordered but it's they just they won't even give me a date and when they expect to deliver it yeah because they may not know because yeah. they're not sure when the parts are going to come in because if if you look at it and, and chips are a big part of it but an average car has anywhere from 50 to, say, 150 chips. If it's a hybrid or an EV, it may have thousands of chips. And the more sophisticated your car, the more chips it has. Anti-lock brakes, um, lane departure warning, dynamic cruise control, navigation, all of that creates more so chips. So is it possible that we are entering a time to where your car breaks down and you just don't have one for a while because it's just sitting in the shop. They don't have the parts. Yeah, I, I mean, good news is, at least with chips, that doesn't happen very often, but sure. I mean, if, if, if you're bringing some of your parts from overseas, in our case, we buy $33 billion worth of parts a year in the U.S. So fewer and fewer and fewer come, but sure. Uh, you have a problem with your car, you've, uh, your cruise control goes out and you need a new component. Uh, it may take quite a while to get it. And and, and as you mentioned, um, to be able to produce vehicles today, some of the manufacturers are reducing the, the options that are on. Back in just a second, the supply chain and the coming economy. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Also, we give you an update, and I have a lot more to say about uh, last night's election coming up on the uh, program, and we'll have another update on uh, who won, who lost yesterday. Really good news. You know, if you're a fan of this program, 
you're in a happy place today. Patriot Mobile is one of those companies that we all need to start doing business with. Um, AT&T just did a big session this week where they were teaching their employees, uh, if you were white, that you're part of the problem and you need to be less white. I don't even know what that means, quite honestly, um, but that just goes to reinforce, I don't want to do business with AT&T. I don't want to do business with people who are funding Planned Parenthood like Verizon is. I would rather, because I can get the same great service and I can get it at half the cost, I can get that from Patriot Mobile, a company that is not, uh, let me put it this way, a company that is reflecting my values. I'd rather be for something than against something, and Patriot Mobile is something that will give me the same great service, half the cost, and I can be for them because they're for me. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Go there now. Back to back tonight, Studios America. And Glenn Beck on TV. Make sure to check it out. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. We're very glad that you're here today. We have an update on what's happening uh, in the... It was a good night. It was a very, very good night, in case you missed that. Um, All the way from uh, Seattle... Uh, to Virginia, believe it or not. Uh, Not a good night if you are a deep progressive. Um, We're talking to Jim Lentz. He is, uh, he's in, he's the former CEO of Toyota North America and the former COO of uh, Toyota Motor Corporation um, in, um, in Japan. And in the Wall Street Journal, uh, I think it's, yeah, this week, two days ago, There was a full page ad that Toyota took out. Let's not play politics with the environment, the American auto worker and the American consumer. Toyota believes the future of automobiles is electric. We also believe Congress needs to provide incentives for the purchase of electric vehicles to speed the transition to the electric future. But some in Congress have a different idea. They want to give an extra $4,500 incentive exclusively for electric vehicles made by workers who have decided to join a union. What does this say to the American auto worker who's decided not to join a union? It says their work, their work is worth $4,500 less because they made that choice. Um, this doesn't, I mean, this is the problem in Washington is a, I think the the car business is the future is electric, possibly hydrogen Mm -hmm. in the end. I I don't know for sure. But the American consumer is not being allowed to drive that innovation. Uh, And and now if you really cared about climate change, why would you say you know how how many how many car companies are union? I mean, do you know the balance? I, I don't know the numbers. Is it fifty fifty um, or it's, any idea? It's probably a greater percentage non union in this country. So that's crazy. Yeah, it's it it's it's nuts because you know the the administration has put out the challenge of selling fifty percent electric vehicles by twenty thirty. That's a huge number to hit. But if 60% or 50%, call it 50-50, of the manufacturers can't participate in that because of a $4,500 less incentive. And, and to put 4500 in perspective, that's $100 a month in payments. 
That's huge. So that's a huge number for the average person that's going into purchase. So, you know, to me, it's just, it's, it's, it's bad policy. Um, it, it's not fair to that worker. I mean, what are you telling that worker that is, is a great American worker that builds vehicles? You're telling him he's not worth as much. You're telling the consumer that you really have to buy from these three manufacturers, even though you may want to buy from someone else. hundred bucks a month's a big difference. You're, you're saying that while the environment's important, the drive for unionization is more important. And what are you telling the taxpayer? Because these aren't the government's dollars. These are taxpayer dollars. And, and basically, you're telling the taxpayer that it's okay for the government to use your tax dollars to put their thumb on the scale of competition. And to me, that's the biggest problem in all this. So the, 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 I agree with you. The problem is this crony capitalism that we are only uh, making much worse with the ESG and everything that's happening in Scotland this week. Um, they are picking winners and losers. Mm-hmm. And this happened. I mean, I am probably the only person crazy enough to cancel a multi-year contract with General Motors. Mm. The, the company tried to get General Motors to advertise on talk radio forever. And then they went into business with the government, with TARP. And uh, I said, you know, when you get back out of business with the government, that's great. But you just told me before this president came in that hydrogen was the future. Mm-hmm. And when he gets in office, the first thing he does is say, you drop hydrogen and you'll get this this money. How can I represent a company that sells themselves out like that so fast? Um, this is they're picking winners and losers mm-hmm. left and right. And that stops innovation. It does. And, and the government isn't good at picking winners and losers. The, what works in America is let companies compete and let consumers choose who they like the best, what products they like the best. You know, in our case, we, we do believe that electrification is going to be the future. But I can't tell you if that is a battery-powered car, a hydrogen-powered car, uh, a hybrid car, a plug-in hybrid car. It's up to the consumers to make that decision. And, and the risk in, in not allowing the consumer to make that decision, roughly in the marketplace, there are 250 million cars on the road. Average age is about 12 years. So if you really want to clean up the environment, the key is to get the old cars off the road. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, in a perfect world, if they were all electric, it would be wonderful. But the unintended consequence is people either don't want or can't afford the electric car. So what are they going to do? They're going to drive older cars longer. And they're going to create a bigger CO2 problem over time. And they're also, they also don't, I mean, I, this is the thing, Jim, you know, you said earlier that China is having electrical problems. They are, their power grid is, they're going dark. Some, some cities, some factories are just literally dark in China. Um, and they're building a new coal fire plant every week in China. If the more we put onto the power grid, the more cars we're all plugging in there. Look what happened to Texas last year because we added wind power and solar power and then turned the coal fire plants down and our nuclear energy down. 
you can't do that while adding all of these cars. I yeah. mean, we're going to be looking at real serious electrical problems, are we not? Yeah, I would, I would guess that's the case as well. You know, part of it is you want to help as a manufacturer, you want to help lead consumers to a greener future. But if you get too far out in front of the consumer, they will lose track of what you're trying to accomplish. And, and that's the biggest fear. That's why we think as long as we can, building hybrids and plug-in hybrids and electrics, and, and eventually we believe the world is hydrogen um, because it's, it's just a better battery. There, there are challenges with batteries. People today, 75, almost 80% of what people are buying today are pickup trucks and SUVs. Mm -hmm. They're bigger vehicles. Those take enormous batteries because of their weight to move. It's just not an efficient way to do things. E equals MC square. The big, the the bigger the battery, the more power you right. need to move right. it, and, it because of the weight. Right. But in the case of hydrogen, you're producing electricity on board, so you need much smaller batteries, much less weight. There are challenges with infrastructure to be able to build out hydrogen infrastructure, but there are challenges with an EV infrastructure today as well. How does the average person who might live in a apartment or a condominium complex, they don't have a garage. How are they plugging their car in? It's, it's, it's a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge where in the case of hydrogen, I, I think people want cars to act just like gasoline cars in yes. the future. I don't want to, I haven't bought an electric car because I don't want a car that only goes 400 miles. That's, that's ridiculous. I, I like to drive across the country. Right. I like to, I don't want to be limited at 400 miles. And then I have to stop in the middle of someplace and find a charging station. Yeah. That's not reasonable. Yeah. And in the case of hydrogen, you can refuel your vehicle in about the same amount of time it takes to refuel a gas car. So, you know, and, and eventually battery technology will catch up, but we just have to understand that it's going to take time. And let's not have perfect be the enemy of progress. So we are, but we are putting rules down now that are, you know, 2030, 2050, which I think is a great goal, but not when you're mandating that you get there. That's it. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Well, eventually, if you make a mistake, there's going to be pushback from consumers. If you start telling consumers, I'm sorry, but the only thing you're going to be able to drive is a four passenger car to make an EV efficient. And they're coming out of their their Escalade or they're coming out of their van. That's going to be a problem down the road. And they're either not going to come out of the vehicle or they're just not going to be happy. So companies like Toyota pushing back on this union thing. So that gives me a lot of hope that there, there are companies that are standing up for common sense and saying, no, no, this doesn't make any sense at all. They're not just folding to the green agenda Well, well you at, can. at all costs. Yeah. I mean, you can't because, you know, I've got a lot of stakeholders. You know, I, I employ 36,000 people in the U.S. through 10 manufacturing plants. I've got 180,000 uh, dealer personnel that rely on Toyota to make their livelihoods. You know, between the dealers and Toyota, we've invested over $60 billion in this country. So, you know, we, we believe that we've earned a right for a seat at the table. <laughs> we think we're part of the fabric of America. 
you know, they're on a retail basis, more people purchase Toyota products than any other brand. See, I have to tell you, going the opposite direction, I think the one that doesn't really have a seat at the table, standing in the room, um, but the one who doesn't have a seat at the table is the government. <laughs> I mean, the government should be there just to go, hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, what you guys are talking about at the table, you can't do because of the Constitution. But they are leading the discussions at the table now. And that's just, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, right and, and especially on the EV side. I mean, frankly, you know, Tesla vehicles aren't going to get this. Rivian, so, so, so if you look at the, the really um, companies that are really pushing the EV side, the real innovators, they're also locked out of this. Right. And it, it just. Elon Musk it, it doesn't is make crazy oh, about yeah, he's this. He's going nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, thank you so much. You're very I welcome. I really appreciate it. This is uh, Jim Lentz, former CEO, Toyota North America, COO of uh, Toyota Motor Corporation uh, in Japan. Uh, I hope to have you on again. You're a fascinating guy. Thank you so much, Jim Lentz. Our sponsor this half hour is American Financing. You got to get your financial house in the best shape it can be. Uh, the the concept of uh, storing up in good times for when bad time comes, old as the Bible and just as relevant today as it was then. You could be saving money. Now, where can you save money? Uh, you know, you want to improve your financial status. You have to do one of two things. You got to get a better job or more jobs uh, or you have to save money. Well, do both. An easy way for you to save money is to consolidate your mortgage with all of your high interest credit cards or just to get a lower interest rate. And please lock the interest rate in the uh, the interest rate has to come up. It just has to come up if we're going to stop inflation. Um, American financing can help you. There's, you know, uh, there's no uh, tricks and no obligation. You just call them and see if they can help you. I know several people in the audience that have called and I've done this and they're like, yeah, can't can't help you. I think you got a pretty good deal. Uh, American financing. They don't work for the banks. They work for you. American financing at 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440 or AmericanFinancing.net. American financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You are listening to the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck program. So just how bad was the defeat of the left? I think you only have to go to New York City. And the, while this guy's not a conservative, he's a former cop. So who's it, against defund the police. Correct. Obviously. So in the midst of all this defund the police, even New Yorkers who are bad crap crazy. Even New Yorkers have said, yeah, we're not we're not going down that road. That's remarkable. It really is. Really, almost exclusively across the country, the AOC wing of the party was absolutely handed uh, defeat after defeat after defeat, Mm -hmm. which is really good news, because, I mean, as much as it is easier to defeat the AOC wing of the party uh, when you're talking about elections, but you don't want people like that in power like god forbid when they do sneak in to office they can do massive damage and you'd rather have you'd rather have a, a sane democratic party if it were ever to to exist again yeah i know uh, um so the fact that the aoc party uh and wing of the party is being shown to be a 
uh, an electoral loser over and over and over again is a good thing for the country. It is. By the way, tonight on the Wednesday night special, the insider story of the massive border crisis under President Biden. This fiscal year, there have been over 1.7 million arrests on the southern border. This is the highest number ever recorded, more than twice the population of Washington, D.C., three times the population of Wyoming. And that's just the people who were caught crossing the border illegally. In the past few uh, few months, there's been around a thousand additional people per day that Border Patrol refers to uh, as gotaways. The Biden-Harris administration has been AWOL on this. The useless debates that are going on. Tonight, I'm sitting down with the recently ousted U.S. Border Patrol chief, Rodney Scott. He is a 29-year border veteran who served under five different presidents. Only one president has decided to politicize Scott's position. Rodney Scott, he could have said a lot over the past several weeks about the disaster he has witnessed this year, but he's not a political hack. He wanted to wait until the time was right to talk, and that time is tonight. Join us tonight. You want to hear what's really going on in the border? How about the former border chief, the guy who has served under five different presidents? He's going to talk about what happened tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, only on BlazeTV.com and BlazeTV YouTube. Make sure you join us. If you're not part of the family yet, please join us. Uh, you can uh, join at blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and save 10%. That's tonight at 9, right after a brand new Stu Does America. Wow. People are excited about it. You can hear no. by the voice in that announcer. No, that's you. This is the Glenn Beck Program.